Oh, boom, bada, bing. All right. We're back. Another episode of Modern Life. Joined, as most always, by Tabby. Mm-hmm. Stacy. Yes. Hello. Hello. Um, we're changing it up a little bit today. We're going to just do a little kind of quick review, hot takes on some things that we've seen recently. The new show on Amazon, The Boys. And we're also going to talk about... Um, the new Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Both uh, things that came out this year. Look at us. <laughs> we made it out of the 80s. <laughs> so we're going to skip the modern thoughts, all that. I say let's just dive right into it. Mm-hmm. Soups lose hundreds of people each year. It's a collateral damage. It's fucking diabolical. They're all like that? All of them. Yeah. Pardon my French, fuck those fuckers. I've got the boys together. No. Jonas. Yeah. To do what? Spank the bastards. Yeah. You want to start with the Tarantino movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Stacy and I like the movie. Tabby does not like the movie. Um, do you want to say why you don't like the movie? Uh, it's just going to be like a long rant. Um, I think I can just start off with saying that it felt to me like... Uh, an accumulation of scenes okay but not there wasn't a narrative which Mm -hmm. it didn't have a substance to me it was all just character acting and after a while that got very old to me the movie did not need to be as long as it did i definitely see what you're saying but i feel like i could have hung with that movie like another two hours if it was that much longer i don't know i liked being like with those characters and in that world like you get like submerged into old school Hollywood. And I think that that's something that Tarantino does really well of like creating this entire world around you that you're like, you feel like you're actually there and it's not, I think a lot of movies will like take out some of the dark, like the dark information that is imposed in that world. I guess you could say like how women are viewed or how like Asian Americans are viewed or like he just like, he doesn't, make it lighter he like goes for exactly how dark it was when the movie was being made if that makes sense well i I didn't feel like it was about any of that it was just about these two guys and sharon tate no um what was it about (laughs) no i mean those were those were highlighting factors he 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 likes to like he does it to an extreme to like point out how certain social issues are still existing that doesn't hold up for me at all this felt he said this was a love letter to old hollywood to him and then you're using a lens of like these two it it's very specific how he filmed it the characters he used for us to follow it's almost like glorifying this white male you know era in hollywood and that's what the film is about i don't get that at all how's how's it glorifying it because it's just, it's about this guy's career, like, dying because he can't change with the times. No? No, but it's, I mean, it's about, like, all the all the people who operate in that space who did well, like, were white. And all the, like, comments they make about other people, it just, like Stacy said, it, like, demonstrates how the people were treated. But I just right. don't think this regressive take on it is 
appropriate this movie maybe if it came out a few years ago would have done well but like after seeing like things like black panther i just can't go back to that i just can't go back to that that stuff that you're talking about i don't know that it necessarily like glorifies that aspect it's just showing you like this is what that world is at that time yeah that's that was my point it's not glorifying it it's just showing it because that's what it was yeah but he's still like emerging you and maybe i i don't know right like, but it's, who's the target audience for this too because like you either have to be it's this movie that's all about like hollywood you have to know the people in it so i feel like so many people can't connect to that i don't see a lot of people of color like connecting to anything in this movie and then Wait, but how, what do you mean you have to know the people in it? I mean, it's all, it's like mostly fictional people. Yeah. No, it's mostly like people from old Hollywood and jokes about that time and Roman Polanski and Steve McQueen and this person, this restaurant where people eat and this. Yeah, but I don't think you like need to know all that stuff to still have a good time with the movie. I, I, to me, it was obnoxious and like I didn't, I was like, I'm not really that into the history of Hollywood and. I don't it's I think that not, maybe that is why you don't like it is because it's not it's not a movie of a, a, like a subject of interest for you. No, I don't like it because it's so regressive and because it's so male gazy and all we're seeing is women being objects and the way the camera shoots them is always from like the butt up it always follows their bodies around and like and he does that purposefully and the other movie he did that for was um Death Proof. But it just, it doesn't work for me in this because I'm like, well, what's what's the point here? What are you trying to say? Like, it just felt uncomfortable. Like, a lot of the characters didn't have a point. I don't need to see, I don't need to watch Margot Robbie shopping and watching herself in the movie and always being like this. She's not even a character. Like, Sharon Tate isn't a character in this. She's not allowed to be, like, a person or anything but, you know, this perfect Hollywood star. And that... She's supposed to be that representation because of the, she's supposed to be the polar opposite <clears throat> of the other females in the movie. I thought she's just the polar opposite of um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Yeah, that as well. Where she's like this hopeful, hot shit in Hollywood. She's like what Hollywood's like, supposed to be coming. He is like dying. His career is dying. And like she's just the opposite of him. Well, Leonardo DiCaprio is allowed to be a character in this. I don't think that Sharon Tate or the way she's filmed that she's allowed to be a full-fledged character I wouldn't call that good character writing or or acting or I I mean she was given nothing to work with it was actually her sister came out in an article and said that like the representation of Sharon Tate in this was like the most accurate she had seen like out of all of the movies that that they've tried or depictions they've tried to do like they always fail miserably to capture like her sister's spirit and like she said that this was the first movie she approves but she doesn't do anything in this movie she does she just she's she's the i mean she's not she's a central character in terms of what she represents yeah i just i just don't well get that. i don't know, even know that she's supposed to be a full-fledged character she's just supposed to be the shining light that's the opposite of Leonardo. And at the end of the story, like she invites him up to the house, which is like, well, does that, like does that resurrect his career later on? Like, yeah. Like emerging of the two. She Hollywoods. just plays like a part in this. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think like when we first started watching the movie, like the first half hour, I'm just like waiting 
because I have this like Tarantino expectation of like shit's gonna go down, okay, like what crazy stuff's gonna happen, and it just never really does until the very end. Yeah, that's why I would also like to rewatch it again. Just you're going in with all this expectation of what a Tarantino movie is, and this is not like any other Tarantino movie. I feel like. So I was just like on the edge of my seat for the first like half of the movie, but then you're like, oh, okay, like I can like kind of relax. I can just kind of watch the movie without like, okay, well, like what's going to happen? But what what I read with him is like he had all these other drafts of the scripts where it is more Tarantino-esque and like shit's happening. And then once he got, once he like fledged these characters out, he's like, I'm just going to kind of do more of like a, a life in a day kind of thing. Where like he knows it, he knows it's like a very vague. It's not really a story. It's just he's just like spending time with these characters, and I get why some people wouldn't like that. Like I don't, I'm not gonna. If you don't like the movie, I'm not gonna be like, oh, you're stupid. Like I, I get why this doesn't appeal to everybody. Yeah. But I would, I don't know. I definitely would like to rewatch it, and I, I like, I loved. I think Pitt and Leonardo are the just acting. In this movie is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I like, I loved Leonardo DiCaprio in this. I thought he was fantastic. I could just rewatch his scenes just when he's flipping out in the trailer or spoiler alert, like when he brings that flamethrower out in the yeah. end or when the little girl gives him the compliment and he's just like, I, I, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think the interesting part, one of the best parts of this movie is like how you can like and hate these guys that are not exactly, I mean, they're not good people by any means. No, God, no. But you like them for some reason. You like, you you want them to win. <laughs> and I mean, like what uh, Brad Pitt's character, like he's, they like throw in that he might've killed his wife. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, there's, there's no likability to him, but there's right. a loyalty aspect to his character that you find appealing and like you what, vow for him to go on. What I liked was Leonardo's performance in this movie is, like back a few a few years back when he's really just chasing that Oscar and every movie he does he's just constantly screaming and everything's over the top and he's just going like 200% and he's you know fighting with bears and like when I, I even I already I already forgot what that movie was called where he's like out in the the wilderness there I don't remember but I, I just remember hearing the stories of how they shot the movie and, like, everyone's just basically freezing to death on set because they're, like, filming it up north. And, yeah, he's just going all out. And then this is kind of the first big movie I've seen him do since that, since he won the Oscar for that. And I I think there's just, I feel like he's allowed to just kind of calm down a little bit and, like, actually have some more subtlety in his acting. And, yeah. I don't know. I just, I thought he was fantastic. Hmm. I uh, guess I don't see him like that because no. I think he has subtlety in things like Django and The Great Gatsby. And, he yeah. does, but if if you look at like Wolf of Wall Street, Django Unchained, um, and then God, what the hell is that movie he did where he fights with the bear? Anyway, I, I just feel like he's almost like he's trying a little too hard sometimes. Hmm. Just in more and more in the leading roles, like in. In Django, he's he has a fairly small part, and yeah, he's fantastic. But again, he's just like oh, in the leading roles, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. But again, in, in Django, he's got that scene at dinner table, which is like just screaming at every like he screams a lot. I just I feel like there's just a little more subtlety in the acting in this movie, which I appreciate. I mean, the well, great. I the, think you see him more vulnerable in this movie than you do in uh, other right. movies. He's like he tends to play like the 
more of the over. But he's also character. like allowed to be, and yeah. he's like he doesn't really have anything to prove anymore. Like he has his Oscar, and I don't know. I just I just think he's gotten just even better since then. Just because I feel like he can relax a little more. Yeah, that's just my theory. I don't know if he even. It's just the whole internet saying that this one person deserves an Oscar when there's plenty of people out there that I don't know if, if Leonardo DiCaprio even cares about that himself or if I that's just the internet I feel telling like he me. Would, but I don't know. <laughs> I just I think he's really good and Maybe. Brad Pitt he's always kind of the best in supporting performances and he's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. I I enjoyed the movie, and I get people's gripes with it, but I liked spending time with those characters, and I thought it was fun. I don't know how anything can excuse, like, the way women were just, like, these flat personas, and the way they were shot was always... And their Tarantino's foot fetish was, like, always in my face, always people's, like, dirty feet in my face, and... <laughs> It's always like their body parts just being filmed and not the women themselves. And something I find really interesting is when Margot Robbie goes and picks up the book. She picks up Tess of the Ubervilles by Thomas Hardy. Mm -hmm. So 10 years from when this movie takes place, Roman Polanski comes out with his adaptation of Tess. Mm -hmm. um, and Thomas Hardy, and, and she says like, oh, what a great writer, which just made me mad because <laughs> I've read one Thomas Hardy book. And it was so misogynistic. And I don't mean to say that for its time in the 1800s, it was misogynistic. It was like he was going out of his way to constantly tell me like how dumb women are and how like it was so aggressive. And it's just interesting that this writer who had this very similar take on women is now heralded like a great writer in, in this area of like the late 60s, 70s mm -hmm. when you know, we're having that same problem with women in Hollywood. So I thought, I don't know if Tarantino, he didn't do it consciously probably, but it was an interesting reflection of what the movie's portraying and what, what the opinions were at the time, I guess. I bet you he did do it con I would be surprised if he didn't do it yeah, consciously. Yeah, he put so much, <laughs> like, so much thought into, into every script. detail, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he has the same take on Hardy. I, that might just be me. Uh, because everybody else loves Thomas Hardy as an right, author. Right, but just just because one of his characters in a movie says, what a great writer, that doesn't mean that Tarantino believes he's a great writer. Right, but I don't know what he believes, so I'm not... I, right, you but know, does it I matter? Don't I don't know. But I don't see I don't see Tarantino as somebody who interprets like texts in, like, with a feminist lens, especially after watching this film. You know, he's a egomaniac, so... No, but the whole point is just the whole Roman Polanski you, connection, I think. I think the Roman Polanski that, connection, I mean, that's, that's I think on that's purpose. All, that's yes. all what it is. I'm saying my interpretation of it is probably just my interpretation Right. Of it. That's all. Yeah. What are you going to say? I was I was going to say, I think that... I, I don't necessarily believe that he hates women as much as... Or like... No, I just think he doesn't really think about it. I, I disagree. I think that he's made some of the most interesting character, like interesting character roles for women in Hollywood. They, some of them are dark, but they're interesting. It's like challenging for them to be played. Yeah, no, I'm not. Okay, I'm just saying like, I, I'm just saying like. Especially during a time with Jackie Brown when, you know, you didn't see like black women in leading roles on TV. But I just find it strange that Death Proof, Death Proof felt so intentional in this movie just feels so like regressive but you but it is immersing you at the same time and it's almost like 
like you said, it's a love letter to that time. And that didn't resonate with me. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think in today's time, this movie just didn't... It's not the type of movie that I found interesting anymore. And I, I see myself liking this movie maybe 10 years ago, but not now. I think that sometimes just sh uh, shining a spotlight on something is just as important as showing a, a different reflection. I don't know how to I might not be saying that correctly, but it's like showing how these women were viewed and putting a spotlight on that and how those like all of it is, is just as important as having some kind of like artistic viewpoint. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say is the like way of objectifying women in a movie, the way to do it when I know most people watching this movie, aren't even going to get that. You know, they're not trained to recognize, like, and the way a camera lens is, like, focused on women differently. Like, they don't even, they can't even, like, recognize it in video games. Like, I I think maybe, I just feel like it's giving this movie too much credit. And if you wanted to do a commentary on something, I feel like there might have been a better way to go about it. And I know Tarantino is the type of person who can do that. That's why I just felt like this movie was so disappointing, because if you look at, like, the storytelling of Django or like the quiet steady pace of Jackie Brown again. Like there's so much greatness there in the way he tells stories. And I almost in this movie wanted to see like the Western that they were filming. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't like, right. I was like, was that something he was working on? Then he decided to do this. Like, I think just the, yeah, the subject, the theme and the whole way he like filmed it to me wasn't, wasn't like a Tarantino in a way that I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Even the violence at the end, I looked away. I thought it was really over the top and I couldn't watch it. I thought it didn't have that like fun, you know, like Kill mm -hmm. Bill vibe or right. like you said, like he d wasn't trying to do his Tarantino thing yeah. and that's fine. You want to try something new. I think it just didn't, it like failed for me in this one. But the only thing I would say to that is love it or hate it. You got to give the guy credit on his ninth film to be like, I feel yeah. like so many filmmakers, it's easy to just say, okay, this is what works. And this is, I mean, that's yeah. kind of after Jackie Brown wasn't like a huge success. He kind of went back to his, okay, this is what worked on the movie before Jackie Brown. So I'm going to just do this whole pop culture like thing. And that worked mm -hmm. for a while. So for him to like try something else, like you yeah. gotta give him some credit for yeah. that. And yeah. And I don't think this is his last movie. He keeps saying no, that, but I think crap. he's going to like... Do something else. Yeah, no, do it's, something with you. It is by like no means his best, my favorite. Right. It's like not even close. But right. like I, I was fine with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. I was looking because all these you know movies. This movie comes out and then everyone has their ranks. Their Tarantino. Like this is what I think's the best, and they rank their Tarantino list. And there's so many lists I looked at, and they had Django listed like near the bottom. And I'm like, <laughs> you are out of your mind. <laughs> Like, J Django Unchained, like, might be my favorite one. Like, the first Kill Bill, Django Unchained, I don't know. Stacey, what's your favorite Tarantino movie? And then, you know, the every, everyone seen. always has Pulp Fiction on the top list. I'm like, I like Pulp Fiction, but, but yeah. I think, I don't know. Django Unchained to me is Django Unchained's pretty up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know I how you can have that at and the I bottom like, of And the I like the Kill Bill. Yeah. I love the first Kill Bill. My it's, favorite will always be Inglorious Bastards because yeah. it's the only time I've ever seen my culture and my language be presented <laughs> in like a way that makes sense and yeah. is respectful. Um, but Inglorious Bastards and Django Chained mm -hmm. is a, is a power fantasy. It's right. a historical fiction, like rewriting. And I feel like that's what he was trying to do with this movie and it didn't work for me. 
Whereas those two movies, you're like in it and you're like, yeah, right. kill the white people, like set the house on fire. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah. Cool. Should we I move on? Yes, let's do it. All right. So second up, we're going to discuss The Boys, the new Amazon series. Um, and this one, I think we all universally love. Wow. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's That's one of the best amazing. TV shows I've recently seen. Yeah. Where to even start? Especially because we always talk about these superhero movies not mm-hmm. having great villains, and that's what drives the story, is the two main villains. Yeah, the best part of the story. It's also just such like a nice... It just has... The boys has just... It's just this natural evolution of after 10 years of like Marvel and your goody-shoo-shoo superheroes... It just that genre has to evolve into like either something R-rated or focusing more on the villains. I mean, that's what like you have the standalone Joker movie coming out. Yeah, it's just, that looks you, good. The, the genre has to evolve if it's going to keep alive. And like the boys, that's why I feel like I always feel like that Watchmen movie came out like just ten years too early. No, like, it also wasn't made well. Also, maybe <laughs> wasn't made well, but also just I, I don't know. It, it was before we were like you this obsessed with superheroes and just Mm -hmm. this feels like the natural like if you had a watchman movie now it would seem more appropriate than when it first came out just i don't know it just seems like the right evolution to me what's Um, interesting is that with the watchman franchise the movie's terrible and the comic is i mean it's one of the like classic comic books everybody's read it it's influenced so many other things with this one i tried reading the comics i did not like it I had to stop reading it, and the show does so many great things, and it's more well, it, like it a loose... it changes a lot of stuff, too, It's from a the loose comics. adaptation from the comics. I had someone else I know actually tried to read the comics after they watched the show and said the same thing, where it was like, he, he like didn't even finish it. He well, thought it was so bad. It's just like shocking to be shocking, and just like toilet humor, and it feels like a teenager acting out and just trying to be... And also, I did not like how the... I didn't like the art. I didn't like how the panels were arranged. I thought it was very, very boring. Mm -hmm. If you compare that to something like uh, Frank Miller's Sin City, where there's so many dynamics Mm -hmm. in the panels, or even uh, Clover by Clamp, and and the way text and and art is arranged on a page is just so fascinating. And this was just like one block after the other block and then it was like a lot of text and then like a face of a person and if if i have to read that much text and the art isn't showing me what i need to know then i could just be reading a book right so i didn't i didn't get into it um i couldn't finish it but it's so it's funny you said that because it's it's shocking to be shocking which this show definitely is sometimes i feel like i only have a few scenes written out but besides because i hate this like game of thrones edginess that's just edgy to be edgy right in the show like i felt like every scene of violence had a purpose or every every scene of it was either like off screen done in a tasteful way or was done in a way where it made sense for the story i think the only scene where we all said well this doesn't Um, even make sense was obviously spoiler alert oh yeah but yes was the translucent scene of him blowing up and his bits flying everywhere and we were like well, you just had a lot of like fake blood and wanted to use it because it didn't make sense to oh, us really? why. Oh, really? That was on the top of my list. <laughs> uh, oh, well, to me, it didn't make sense why he, it, the explosion wouldn't just stay inside his body if his skin is made of diamond. Right. Well, but. that's what didn't make it didn't make sense, but that didn't 
the, the but dolphin, it didn't seem unnecessary. I felt the, like the, the exploding the needed one? to happen so he could see it visually. Like, oh, I, to me, it, it felt from like a visual over the point, top. I think it was like a psychological thing for the the, for the char- main character. Yeah, like I just for me, it seemed like he needed to see that so the flashbacks would be more jarring. Mm. Because if it stayed inside of him and he just said it wouldn't have been as like traumatizing. I guess you could say, mm. especially since like his girlfriend died in such a traumatizing that, way. That I liked. I know it's shocking, and I know the show starts off that way, and it's really like whoa, but it's like. Oh, the the show like lets you know what's gonna happen these next eight episodes. That is like a nice. I, you're either in or you're out. Like ten minutes into that first episode. (laughs) What was your scene that you the the dolphin? The dolphin. I don't mind the dolphin flying out of the car, but then to like have the truck run over, I'm like, "Mm." no, I didn't like the dolphin dying at all. (laughs) No, I wouldn't mind if the dolphin just flew out, but then it just seemed like. I just didn't need it to like see it like get squashed. There was like no purpose in it. It was trying to be funny, and I'm like, that's not funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's just a few scenes where it's, but yeah, as you said, for the most part, it's all pretty purposeful. And the violent, I mean, just the special effects for a TV show. Oh my show. god, so good! Like that yeah. scene where Carbon drives the car into the store, and yeah. you see translucent flying, but he's invisible, so you just see like this you know like everything everything's flying away but you don't see what's doing it i love that i thought that was so So great i was trying to look up there isn't really much on the making of this tv show which is weird because there's been there's been a lot of press on it but like no interviews no one's on any like late night shows i just i found an interview from the showrunner on business insider and he was just talking about the the special effects and he goes there's a lot of production value but in the same respect there's never enough money I think we have mostly movie-level effects, and that didn't come from all the money in the world to spend. That came from visual effects supervisors driving the visual effects companies nuts with 30 or 40 versions of every single shot until we got exactly what we wanted. And then he goes, we didn't have anything close to a Game of Thrones budget or anything like that. We're not even half of what that number would be. But when you don't have all the money in the world, you get there through blood and tears. Wow. So it's just so... Yeah, I mean, there's... You don't have all the money, but you have people that really care about the project. Like the, yeah. the special effects look amazing. Oh, especially that final scene with Starlight when she just busts out and saves everybody, and that light is flying, yeah. and her eyes are glowing, yeah. and she's you know, it's like the arc of her character, which right. I found so interesting in this. So I think the Believe Expo episode is one of the most revealing in terms of character development mm-hmm. for a lot of characters. And just her realizing, oh, I've been fed all this homophobic right. stuff all my life. Or, like, I don't have to do what my mom tells me to do and all these expectations. Um, and they changed that. It was supposed to be her dealing with um, Aquaman, the deep. That's his name. The deep. The deep <laughs> like, privately. <laughs> um, and, like, I already told you guys, once the Harvey right. Weinstein thing came out and the writers realized that women could come out and they were actually being believed, they changed the script to her openly coming out yeah, um, at great. the Believe Expo. And also the scene that I love with Huey in there, which he's none of our favorite characters. No, not at all. But after he's getting baptized and his phone doesn't work, and then he like improvises to mm-hmm. get the information. Yeah, that was good. I just thought it was relatable because I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably right. that, something that would happen to me. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing against the actor. I just think the and I don't know that you're supposed to like the Huey character. He's kind of like mm-hmm. this weasel, and he doesn't really have any morals, and he doesn't really know who he himself is, and he's just like learning along the way. 
I mean, he always comes through for his friends. Yeah, and, he does. But I really didn't agree with him. I was on Carl Urban's side when it came to his relationship yeah. with Starlight, but I don't think we're supposed to be like rooting for them until the very end either. But right, just this whole thing of like he wants this relationship, but he's like tracking her phone at the same time. Right. Like, he's just it's yeah, very he creepy. Yeah, he's I don't know. And again, I don't think you're really supposed to like him that much. Um, also, that scene when they finally have sex and her like eyes light up. Yeah. After just being in the therapy session with the guy whose like penis froze off, I would be running out of that hotel room like <laughs> as fast as humanly possible. <laughs> be like, what's about to happen? <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's interest. It's like definitely an interesting dynamic for the next upcoming season. Like, what's going to happen with that? It's obviously also trying to make a bigger statement of like it's two different ones like human and ones like super, super able, human yeah. and what those people can't coexist like is that silly or is that warranted I don't know I mean my favorite character I mean Homelander same yeah, yeah. he's amazing yeah and so what's that actor's name Ant Anthony Anthony no H Anthony Star is fantastic and. Like, we've never seen him in anything else. No. <laughs> so I hope he kind of has this... Um, what's the guy from Mad Men who played Don Draper? John Hamm. I feel like... I hope he has, oh, like, this yeah, John yeah, yeah. Hamm moment where it's, like, <laughs> nobody... John Hamm almost, like, quit acting, and then he got the Mad Men part, and now he's, you know... Yeah. He's doing just fine, and I, I hope that happens to this... I mean, I you mean, just... He's amazing. And I think that's why we were so upset when Elizabeth... Choose character dies at the end yeah because they were such great villains and their dynamic was so messed up mm -hmm. that you're like no i want to keep watching this like forever God, when she's like just shy of like breastfeeding him and you're just like oh that is <laughs> that i usually skip through most sex scenes because i just don't find them interesting mm -hmm. but that scene between them i found absolutely fascinating and the dialogue there and just how terrifying it is mm -hmm. to watch and he obviously has these like mommy issues but he she's just trying to control him and then at the end when she says like oh i'm a you know i'm afraid of you mm -hmm. you kind of go back through the episodes like for example when he when they're in the barn and he asks her like where did you grow up and she goes oh we just moved around a lot and you realize she doesn't want to tell him right. like, where she grew up right. like he's terrifying <laughs> but well, i got that terror from this beginning but she was i didn't know you didn't i totally got that terror from the beginning uh, just the way she pauses before she says certain things mm -hmm. or like the way she like, there's like something in the mm -hmm. back of her eyes when she does certain things where you can see like, everything has, has to be work. calculated. Yeah, yeah. Like this needs to be <laughs> yeah. perfect. Like, and that's like something that's a survivor technique of somebody who's dealing mm -hmm. with somebody that they are trying to, that they know they're that's not as true. powerful as, but they still have to show that they're more powerful well, i thought there was this really nice arc between homelander and madeline's character where it's first you're introduced to homelander and you're like okay this like you can't can't fuck with this guy and then you're introduced to this madeline character and you think she's just kind of this corporate you don't really know what to think of her at first and then you find it just seems like she's even though she's just this normal person like she's got control over mm -hmm. this superhuman right and she's like she's the one actually in the driver's seat and then it turns out like she's not at all right that he that shocked me that he right. was the one who was supplying all these drugs to all the terrorists right so it, just, it goes to this like okay this whole matter oh no wait madeline is the real boss and then it's like oh wait no she's not it just i don't know mm -hmm. it's like a nice 
yeah, the villains are just awesome. Um, but I also want to talk about uh, Stacy's favorite character, Marvin, uh, Mother's Milk. Yeah, Is, I love that's him. still your favorite character, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the only interviews that I found was him explaining that it's supposed to be deceptive because he looks—he's the most muscly in the group, so it's supposed to look like you know he's the brawn of the group, mm-hmm. but he's not. It's Kimiko who's the you know who's the right. fighter of the group, and he's there as the moral compass and the mother figure and like being calm and reining everybody in, and. That was so interesting to watch, and his relationship with his family was fascinating. And Which yeah. he's kind of, he's like putting his whole family in right. danger. for I this mean, other family that he's trying up. to take care yeah. of. Yeah, Like bad decision on his part. He should have just stayed with his job. Yeah. yeah, but it's also his need to to like do greater good you know what i mean like he's trying to like you can see that he's trying to take what he has well, he obviously believes in reigning in these superheroes. yeah like he uh, he he definitely has a passion for this and he's he feels like he's not succeeding in what he's doing yeah and so he has to he looks he's looking for purpose again which he was obviously lacking but at the same time he was doing it at like for his family but i feel like that's you you can't do that like you you can't if you completely take a part of yourself and try and push it away to make other people happy in the end you're just going to feel restricted that's mm-hmm. like why people go, go through midlife crisis because they're not like owning parts of their character and they're like hiding them for their life and i feel like that's a dangerous thing to do like you need to be who you are and succeed but there's a balance and i feel like a lot of people mess up that balance and i think it's interesting to watch him try and figure out that balance mm-hmm. and at the same time like give everybody else their balance if that makes sense mm-hmm. well, it's got this great family dynamic where mother's milk yeah he's like the caretaker and the mom and the huey character is just like this child and then you mm-hmm. have uh like the asian lady she's kind of just this badass she's going to take care of her like protect everyone mm-hmm. right Carl Urban's like the drunk uncle. <laughs> and then, I don't know, you have the French guy. I don't well, really know he's, what he is. He said he's that he's supposed to be too. like the, the teenager who's like... Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. He's a very interesting character too. And I always kind of forget about him just because there's so many characters to keep track of. But he's got a kind of a really interesting arc too. There's a scene between him and Kimiko that just I find ridiculous because you see them in hideout after hideout and mm-hmm. it's just dingy place after, right. you know, it's just like run down places that they're trying to hide in. Right. And then they put in a scene of him baking Madeleines. I'm like, wait, so you're running from hideout to hideout, but you're bringing your Madeleine trays? Like next season, I expect him to like make creme brulee with like a torch or something. Yeah. Don't put anything past him. <laughs> I just thought that was like so French and funny. <laughs> <laughs> the other interesting relationship I thought was between A Train and his brother, and kind of what oh, happened yeah. to. I, I loved A Train as a character. I loved watching him. He's super evil, but also yeah. that the brother is trying to always push him to be the best, and they have this very like broy sports relationship. But you never see the brother asking like, "Oh, how do you feel about?" killing that girl how do you feel about like killing all these people or but it seems like one of the only relate like these superheroes have such few relationships Mm -hmm. but you can see this again with like queen Maeve when she's trying to reach out to somebody that she likes and it's like very restricted everyone's very isolated i just i feel like they like hide all that aspects from their human counterparts like 
Um, I, I don't know necessarily that he knows that he like killed, like, I mean, I think he does, but I think it's like, I don't know. I feel like that they know that it's going to throw them over the top if they discuss it almost like they kind of the human counterparts don't discuss what they know just out of yeah. f- like it, it's interesting yeah yeah well but if you take the lover of queen may for example she doesn't you know hide things she's like are you still going to aa meetings are you still doing this like she holds her responsible and i feel like the brother is trying to do that and he's he almost fails and then at the end he, he just leaves because he's like i don't right. know what to do about your drug addiction well the a-train character like can't take responsibility for anything for anything yeah yeah. Like, it's not his fault that he killed his own girlfriend. Like, it's yeah. not his fault that he's taking all these drugs and the consequences of that. Like, yeah, like, nothing's ever... He, like, doesn't take responsibility for anything. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. None of the none of the teen kick characters do. Right. Not the girlfriend, not the guy who abandons his daughter. Right. You know. The guy who abandons his daughter. The Haley Joel Osment, the... Yeah, he just oh, wants to be a superhero God, again. Yeah. He doesn't care. He's terrible well, too. I feel like there's that's part. I f- I almost feel like that they get all these superpowers, but they don't get the emotional aspect of like maturing. Like they are almost stuck at an mm-hmm. an image. Like most of them have such flawed personas. They they it's almost like they don't develop past teenage years. I know that sounds weird, but like think about like all mm-hmm. the different characters and like yeah, Homelander they're all sure. very like stunted. So I'm wondering if maybe the drug does that, you know, right, the stuff that, they were given to mm, as a child. Like, no, I think the way I think of it is okay. Think of like think of like, like a kid teen stars. Exactly. Think of like a kid movie star that their career doesn't fade. Let's just say they they've been famous since eight and they're still famous at age thirty. And there's obviously exceptions for this, but just if. If you've been just raised as far as you can remember, like your shit doesn't stink and you're on movie sets and you're getting catered to and like I think you get you can get stuck in this bubble and these kids have been superheroes. They've had superpowers like since they were young, basically. And they're now that they're famous, they're just in this complete like corporate bubble and they Mm -hmm. just they just get completely catered to and just like oh, babied in that aspect. You just made me realize something. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's why Starlight's mom didn't get any money so that she would be raised like a normal well, human Well, that's what being. I'm saying. Like, I, I just saw the same thing that you did. And there's huh. like a interesting, because then you look at like Homelander's, spoiler alert, Homelander's kid in the end. Like, do you think that maybe that has something to do with it? Because they're like, being raised normal. That they're trying to like, they realize that the first set, they were not raised normal. They were raised like, above normal and now now they were trying to like do the opposite or trying to see if they mm. gave them social values and like things if they would become better superheroes well that's the, the whole previous. experiment and the doctor talks about that mm. where he's like well i know well, i'm saying like failure. but i mean you see like yeah. th- there's an arch even more like because that's kind right. of um starlight's character as well she was raised with like a lot of religious background and like she's also the only one we see in normal clothes Feel yeah. like everybody else is right. so stuck in their superhero right. personas, and you see this especially with the deep, where he just can't can only connect to animals, right? And he's horrible, but like that's what I it just is. Think when you're that famous and you're just you're just the superhero that is in this corporate bubble, like yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be like a child unless you have like some serious perspective and you can hold on to that. Well, the, well, I'm saying, like, I think that maybe they realized that they weren't giving these people because they were in the spotlight from such an early age. That maybe that's why they changed how they were doing it. Yeah, I think, I think so it's too. an interesting arc. Yeah, 
The other thing, this series comments on so many things that is going on in our society right now. And I think that's why it resonates so much with us as well. Um, so the other thing I found interesting was the um, acceptance of violence over justice within that world. And mm-hmm. I feel like we have so much violence going on in our world right now that that really... I mean, the, the first scene where Homelander and Queen Maeve kill a bunch of people in front of these two kids and everybody's right. like, oh my God, that's amazing. Where like <laughs> they could easily just take them in. There's no reason for them to kill all these people. Right. And then you also see that reflected in the therapy group where nobody, like Carl Urban said, nobody's speaking up and saying like, oh, this was totally wrong what they did to me. They're all like, well, I guess right. like, so I, I feel like Carl Urban's one of the only people who's like, wake up, He's everybody. Woke, like, yeah. <laughs> but he also kills a baby at the end. So Yes, he does. Which I find very upsetting. Well, you know what? The other thing... Okay, like, I've, I've heard some interviews with, like, actors, right? When they're on set and you have craft services and you're in your trailer and there's assistants getting you coffee and you think... You start to think you're really hot shit and then you come home and your wife tells you to take the trash out and you're like... Like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm hot. It, like, oh, brings you back funny. down to earth. And when I think about these superheroes, they have no friends. They have no family. They're in their little bubble. And I think that contributes that they're stuck in this, like, teenage mind, like, this entitlement mindset. And they can't take responsibility for any of their shit. There's, like, there's nothing in their life to, like, bring them back mm-hmm. down to earth. No? Yeah, that, I think it's a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Definitely. Maeve is the only one that does have kind of a heightened sense of mm-hmm. reality. Yeah. And um, it's interesting that she's got the only real connection to right. a person. So, right, I mean, if you look at it, like... Holding her feet to the fire. Yeah. Like, you have to and go then, I mean, she ended up escaping it because it was, like, dangerous for the person. But at the same time, it's like, she's the only one with some real yeah. insight. Yeah, I can't wait for what's going to be happening with her character. Yeah, she's she's season. very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like you want her to you want her to stop drinking away at the issues and like. Really well, what confront. what's interesting is is there's a handful of characters that like could flip like towards the boys almost like Starlight. Like she's already helped them, so you don't really know. Okay, what's going to happen with her? I don't know. The the deep is basically exiled. He's not happy. So is there something that could happen where like the boys recruit him like i don't know i just i see there's like a few characters i could see like leaving the seven has i I mean unless he goes through some real emotional like realizations i mean i get that that's what the whole like him getting sexually kind of targeted himself so maybe i don't know what the purpose of oh i think it was for him to become the victim (laughs) well because if you want him to have any kind of um if you want him to become a good guy you have to make him face what he's done and see it as bad. And the easiest way to do that is to victimize yourself, victimize him. I don't know. I'm not for like raping people who rape people. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying that I like how it was done. I'm just saying that I get what the point is. Like well, the the point is to like make him feel like the victim, so he sees how what he's doing to other people. I, I didn't see it like that. Though I think that's a totally valid interpretation, and a lot of people online see it like that. I think because he's so powerful. Uh, that scene to me said like he's willing to do all these things that might not even be comfortable for him just to connect with a human being because he can't connect to anyone and that to me was like just trying to say how desperate and pathetic he is Mm -hmm. but i think the way the scene was shot was so disturbing and so i think it could have been done in such a better way that was more clear and less you know violating of him and like because when i watched that i wasn't thinking like oh you got what you deserved i was thinking like oh that's terrible like i don't know i that was one of the scenes i didn't really like that didn't resonate with me right 
but it could be what you're saying too i mean i don't i don't know i just for season two it's interesting because homelander's gonna be the boss madeline's gone yet you have like the deep oh no they're gonna make a new boss the real boss is gonna come in the one she was trying oh, to the, uh, yeah the one that they're all scared yeah. of uh, that's a good point i forgot yeah, about no, no, you forgot about him he's well, we I don't, don't know, know but I don't think so. But you know that that's the one he, that they're really scared of because so that's the was, one that she was um, threatening to tell. I forget the actor's name, but he was one of the main villains in Breaking Bad. He owned this chicken shop and was funneling all this meth through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to find his name out. But he's fantastic. So I'm definitely down to see more of him. And Black Noir, too. We don't know what's going on with him. Right. But I'm just saying, like, the, the deep Queen Maeve and Starlight... Well, Queen Maeve and the Deep definitely like they're they're kind of afraid of Homelander, right? Yeah, and they're also in the, so like, is A Train, right? The Seven is like kind of falling apart. It seems like because there's people are either like exiled or they're afraid of Homelander or they're just going through their own shit like A Train. So I just like you know not you know they're not all gonna stay with the Seven. Like something's gonna like one of these characters is gonna like flip or betray. I, I'm just I'm feeling it. One of these characters is going to, like, betray the Seven. I mean, Starlight pretty much already has. But yeah, you're right. The real... So, what the dynamic between the real boss and Homelander is going to be, that's going to be interesting. Like, is he going to be able to rein Homelander in, or does he have to make, like, a whole new Seven to, like, hunt Homelander down or something like that? Because he's out of control. Um, The other thing that we... My brother and I already talked about, but this movie keeps telling me that it takes place in New York City, but it never shows me that. Especially with Simon Pegg's apartment, it just feels like a house somewhere in the suburbs. <laughs> like the set doesn't say New York City to me. A lot of movies do this where they're like, they just want to say they take place somewhere, but then it like, the movie doesn't feel like it. But maybe that's just what they could do with their budget. Yeah. I'm sure it wasn't filmed in New York City. You know, I don't. Oh no! Oh, the actor's name is Giancarlo Esposito. Nice. Yeah, he's a badass. A good name. He's good. Um, and then another thing I wanted to point out as to what is becoming the new normal is Middle Easterners being terrorists in all American movies now. And I think there's a reason we have such problems with Islamophobia today, especially because in this show you don't have a Muslim or Middle Eastern character to balance that out um, and to, to have them as part of the crew or something like right. that. So I'm I'm just pointing that out. I'm not saying... Obviously, The Boys isn't the only show or movie to do this, but that's all. Hmm. That's all. Anyways, show's great. And yeah, I I think the only people that don't like it just have a problem with the violence. But Right, right. I think what we talked about after we all saw it is that even if you just... Like, you don't even... The script is so good enough that the violence is just a cherry on top if you like, you know, if you like the action. Like, you don't... There's there's certain movies or TV shows where it doesn't hold up without the action. Mm-hmm. And like this, the characters and the script, it's all there where it would... Well, I think the action adds to it. I don't think no, that it takes it, it away does. from it. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's all it is. Like, it doesn't I think cheapen it. Yeah, it doesn't, could, exactly. It's could, not just about the action. You could take the action out and plot. just have like a superhero drama. Like yeah. that's how good the script is. Right. You yeah. know, it's right. just... Yeah. And so if when you have that with these awesome special effects, it, it's great. Yeah, I just have two more things to say about it. The world of corporate America that we live in today that this show was presenting to us, I mm-hmm. thought was so smart, especially because that's one of the reasons why the mafia has been eradicated in the last century 
due to RICO right. laws. And now corporations are taking over because people are thinking, well, how can we do the same things and make the same amount of money, but right. legally? And it's such a dangerous world we live in, especially because I think there's still this myth of the American dream of like, oh, if I'm not as rich as this, like, you know, guy on Wall Street, I didn't make it, where those people are just taking advantage of you. And right. this show through the VOD Corporation did such an amazing job of, uh, especially also the relationships the government has and having to hire these companies for certain things, like the right. whole military deal. Like you said, like all the writing, it's all super fascinating. Mm -hmm. You're there for it. And it's just amazing. And then the other scene where I just wanted to really highlight Elizabeth Shue's acting was in that last scene where she's tied up to the chair and, you know, Homelander's coming in with mm -hmm. her son. And she basically just has the same line for like five minutes. And right. the way she says that line is such a journey because she just keeps saying, please take Teddy upstairs. Right. And she starts off saying it very clearly and calmly. And then it just descends it to her like right. pleading with him. And that I thought was such interesting dialogue writing of her just kind of saying, taking the same line and then morphing it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just think she's, so fantastic in this and yeah like we already said on another podcast you know women who are older are really kicking butt in well, this and just, other shows that was one of the things that i like i really liked about this is that they they made an older woman look sexual and it's something that's mm -hmm. it's 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 nice to see the involvement in hollywood of like allowing older women to become sexualized and not have it be this thing that's taboo or not really i don't know it, it was just it was she was a great character I, we don't know we don't know if it actually where died. the baby came from right i mean she gave birth to it but yeah, we, we don't, don't know, know who the dad is right no yeah, i was dad. wondering that the whole and time. we don't see the baby die so i'm wondering is it some weird like superhero baby that's gonna i don't know i was I wondering know. that too just, i just thought about <laughs> they that. never i mean the importance that she puts on that baby is is quite fascinating the and importance then, and also she's in this whole superhero world wouldn't she I wouldn't put it past her to like engineer this baby to be a you know superhero. To, I don't know to defend herself from Homelander. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but there's definitely an interesting and in the way she like won't let anybody touch the baby. Like, That's also true. You know, she's very protective, Maybe we or she's like willing to miss work to like go to the these really important doctor's appointments for the baby. That's true. There's like a lot of like hints. Super baby. Hmm. <laughs> I was gonna say something else about this. Oh, just a quick fun fact. This show was supposed to be originally made by Cinemax, who then was like, we don't have the money to do this show. And the showrunner said to their credit, instead of just making a watered down version mm -hmm. of this, they're just like, just have somebody else make it. And then Amazon picked it up because Amazon at the time, two, three years ago, they're doing good with their original content, but they're getting stuck in this whole Manchester by the sea, like indie movie TV stuff. And they wanted something that would just appeal to more a broader audience, like superheroes. And they picked this up and yeah, they're only going to put, I mean, with the success of the show, they're only going to put more money into it. So I, I mean, the effects are only going to get better, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. But yeah, excited yeah. for season two. 10 out of 10. This is the Modern Life Podcast. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is. <laughs> it is. You're, you're in the right spot. <laughs> but you can find us Instagram and Twitter at Modern Life Pod. You can send us an email, modernlifepod at gmail.com. Not sure what we're going to do next, but it's going to be interesting as always. And we will see you guys soon. Signing off. Bye. 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 <laughs>